Warning, the Thin Blue Line podcast, Harry Bosch, contains adult content. Harry and others use profanity, adult language, and discuss adult topics, and so shall we. One more warning, this podcast may contain spoilers. I must stress this for this chapter and the entire series of Harry Bosch, so please proceed with extreme caution. So, that's my story. That was Meadows. He went to Saigon for some R&R, but he came back. Couldn't stay away from the tunnels, though. After that, though, he was never the same. He told me that he just got mixed up and lost down there. He just kept going in the wrong direction, killing anything that he came across. The word was that there were 33 ears on his necklace. And someone asked me once, why did Meadows let one of the VC keep an ear? You know. Accounting for the odd number. I told him Meadows let them all keep an ear. She shook her head. He nodded his. Bosch said, I wish I had found him that time. I went back to look for him. I let him down. They both stood for a while, looking down at the kitchen floor. Bosch pulled the rest of his beard down the sink. Hello. And welcome to the Thin Blue Line podcast, Harry Bosch. I am Philip Parker, a retired detective, and joining me today is my baby brother, Alan Parker, who is also a retired vice officer. Hey, this is Alan. Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate us at five stars or better. Also, please follow us on Twitter at Thin Blue Line Pod and our Facebook page. Now that all that's out of the way, it's time to get back to work and probe into part three of the Black Echo. Last time on the Thin Blue Line podcast, Harry Bosch, we explored part two of the Black Echo. Bosch had contacted FBI asking to work together, but he was rebuffed during his meeting with Special Agent Eleanor Wish. Eventually, Wish's boss, Special Agent John Rourke, sends a complaint to IED, which housed members who dislike Boss for refusing to join the highly publicized club which is known as the family. IED comes close to successfully getting Boss suspended from the force. Knowing that his time is dwindling, Boss rushes to find the identity of an anonymous witness of the crime. He learns of a young man named Sharky, and though he later learns Sharky is connected to a gang which assaults and robs gay men, he is momentarily sympathetic, having learned about his horrible upbringing. Due to Bosch's idle threat of going to the press concerning this investigation, the FBI rescinds its complaint. Deputy Chief Irving orders IED to continue the pursuit of investigating Bosch. During this episode, we will be taking a deep dive into Part 3, Tuesday, May 22nd. As always, there is a prerequisite spoiler alert. It is our intention to stay away from spoilers, but sometimes shit happens. So proceed with caution. And now, the Thin Blue Line podcast, Harry Bosch. Let's open up the murder book and turn a page to the chronological record so that we can do an investigative summary of the information gathered thus far in this chapter. 
boss receives a phone call from Special Agent Wish, and they agree to meet for breakfast. In preparation for the meeting with Special Agent Wish, Bosch realizes that he's paying more attention to his attire than in recent memories. During the meeting, Bosch requests the FBI officially request his assistance concerning this investigation. Special Agent Wish agrees and proceeds to run down the FBI's investigative efforts. Special Agent Wish describes approximately 1,500 miles of underground pipes that allow anyone to get near any building in the city. The FBI suspects three criminals working underground and one that works topside as a lookout. They ride Honda all-terrain vehicles or ATVs through the storm sewer for approximately two miles within 120 yards of the Westland Bank. Once there, they cut a standard size 24-inch hole and spends three to four weeks digging 10 to 20 feet per night. By the day, they hide the hole from DPW inspectors with a plywood coated with concrete. Once beneath the bank, the thieves tap the bank's electric and telephone lines and bypass the alarm. They bore through five feet of concrete and steel, pack the hole with C4, wire it, and pop it from the drainage tunnel. Once inside the vault, the thieves invade the deposit boxes all weekend before backing out around 3 a.m. Tuesday. Special Agent Wish further states that the thieves did not need a bellman that due to the thieves' constant drilling, set off a number of false alarms. Believing that the alarm needed repair, the bank manager turned it off, only to find out that his bank was robbed upon reopening the bank. Special Agent Wish stated that the FBI found a number of indicators that the thieves were not planning on surrendering if caught. These findings included booby traps and M16 rifle impressions. Special Agent Wish further describes how the thieves utilized the name Frederick B. Isley as an FBI in an apparent taunt to the Bureau when the purchases were made for the ATVs. Special Agent Wish informs Bosch that evidence found during the investigation was pointed to a Vietnam veteran. Items like the use of C4, booby traps, and slashes along the wall to mark while in the tunnel. Bosch and Special Agent Rourke butt heads concerning the investigation. But after some professional persuading by Rourke, he and Bosch come to terms and agree to set aside grudges and work together. Bosch and Wish lead the FBI to follow up with a possible witness. En route to the subject's home, Wish tells Bosch he reminds her of her brother. Bosch and Wish arrive at a motel associated with Sharky. At the motel, Bosch and Wish interview a subject concerning the whereabouts of Sharky. After the interview, Bosch and Wish argue about trust and what's important and how keeping the case moving quickly helps solve homicide investigations. Continuing to follow investigative leads, Bosch and Wish find Sharky, who's observed exchanging pornographic photos for money. Sharky's then taken to the police station on Wilcox. During the interview, Sharky claims that he's nearly 18 and tries not to live at home with his mother. He also states that he's not homosexual, but sells pictures to homosexuals for money. Whenever the crew's room gets too crowded or he lacks money, Sharky states that he sleeps in a pipe for warmth. On the night in question, Sharky finds a dead guy inside the pipe and splits to call 911. Bosch tells Sharky how the unfinished tag, graffiti, and paint can led them to him and demands the real story. 
Sharky relents and further describes that the driver gets out and pulls a body from underneath a blanket in back of a jeep, while the other guy does nothing. Moments later, the driver tears off a branch and sweeps inside the pipe. Then they drive with their headlights off across the dam, bashes out a light bulb at the little pump house midway. When he cannot hear the engine anymore, Sharky says that he comes out from his hiding and went halfway through the pipe to check on the man. Bosch and Wish debate if hypnotizing Sharky was a good idea. They continue interrogating Sharky, who remembers that the jeep was dirty, white, with a seal on the side door. After the interview with Sharky, Bosch suggests that he and Wish have dinner, but Wish tells him that she has other plans. Wish also mentions that Bosch seems to care for Sharky. Bosch pushes back on this observation by getting into her personal space and stating emphatically that he and Wish aren't partners, so stop comparing him to a brother and Sharky. Before leaving the station, Wish turns and tells Bosch that her brother is one of the veterans that hadn't returned from the war. Bosch stashes Sharky in a shelter. Later at home, Wish pays him a visit as a peace offering. Wish asks Bosch why he cares so much about this case. Bosch tells her that as tunnel rats, promises were made never to leave anyone behind. Bosch further describes how once he and Metals were on a mission in a tunnel. They got separated and Bosch had to leave Metals behind. Bosch further states that two days later, Metals were found in a different tunnel wearing a necklace adorned with human ears. As Wish began to leave, she noticed the painting The Garden of Earthly Delights by Hieronymus Bosch. Wish stated that after seeing his name, wondered if he was related, but Bosch advised her that his mother just liked the painter's work. So we start this portion of the uh, podcast. It's the Hit the Street. And we're hitting the street by just starting the chapter. Harry's getting ready for his meeting with um, Eleanor Wish. And again, like we always do, just go back and forth. Um, Alan, did you want to go forward first or you want me to go first? Uh, well, just one of the things that first stuck out to me with this chapter is the description of the tunnels below L.A. And it's scary just how intricate and massive it is. It's like L.A. is literally three times the size underground and i just found right. that just a side note it's related to the story it's not the main focal point but it's like no, just how right. intricate it is was impressive well you, you know uh, um so in my observation is uh him saying that he never he, he can't remember paying this much attention to the what he used to wear and um I, I believe the last podcast you kept picking up on and you may even made mention how he finds he was all, all of a sudden uh michael had started letting us see how harry is um uh, um being attracted to a special agent wish <laughs> yeah you know so <laughs> i you know for him you know because you can tell it sounded like um he really didn't pay attention to his attire 
great. He was well. Going back to again the last podcast, you know, we were telling you, you the listeners, there are certain detectives that are very flamboyant, and very meticulous about their clothing, and then you have some detectives that do just a mission match. You know, they just they pick up whatever they're going to wear that day. And, well, and you know, here's my question: Was he paying attention to his wardrobe in an effort to one up or be on equal footing with the FBI, or was he doing it to impress the lady? Which one I, was it? At, at this or portion, it I, 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 th- it, I think it was more so to impress Eleanor. Okay. That and and we actually get into that. So um, we actually get into that because, well, so uh, when he when they meet, you know, he starts. Uh, he goes to meet her at the um, at the cafe, and she's already there. And again, he's picking up on Michael is getting us, and which makes me think he's more. He's more into her um, uh, sexually, also. Where you know he he noticed again her her dark eyes. He talks he talks about the uh, the gentle web of Linus you know, uh, uh, um, across her eyes. He also looks at the the uh, small um, white scar by her chin. And he, he said something that I like uh, that I picked up. He said, uh, you know, from the book. Um, um, I wonder if the scar and the lines bothered her, as he believed most women would. And then he says, uh, her face seems to be, um, her face seems to him to have a slight sadness cast to it, as a mystery carried inside had worked its way outside. Like, ooh. Again, um, I, I pick up these little phrases from what uh, Michael wrote. And again, that makes me, what you were saying just now, bro, is that is uh, Harry now focusing more so on um, of course, she's a she is a, a investigator, but also she's an attractive investigator, which can't be bad. Well, you know, it brings up an interesting paradigm in the workplace, especially in law enforcement. At the end of the day, most most police officers or anyone in law enforcement are alpha type males. Mm-hmm. So, with that, we're wired a certain way, and part of that is our sexuality. So, right. with that, so. How do you maintain this level of professionalism, but you have a woman here? And it's like, it can be done, but in the back of every cop's mind, you're thinking, (laughs) hey. 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 (laughs) And that's just, and I wonder if that's the same in the private sector, too. And it's a challenge in the workplace. And I'm sure it makes it extremely difficult for the ladies, you know, because they have to deal with the onslaught of men and testosterone. And there's one thing on our mind. And the problem is, we're just wired that way. That's our primal instinct. So how do you overcome your primal instinct to deal with the task at hand? And people say, well, just be professional. It's not that simple, especially when you have an attraction with someone. So it's well, just something all, to suck out. Well, let's, let's dive a little bit deeper just really quickly. Remember, this was back in 1992. And to have uh, female cops back, female investigators you know, not along cops. I mean, it's, of course they won't, but even it's now. enigma. Right. Even now, you know, it's more, more men on the force uh, than women, but you still, women do make up a, a significant portion of law enforcement. But even back then in 92, to have a, a FBI agent. Yeah. Who's yeah. a female, do, yeah. you know. I mean, just that saying that's making me excited just hearing that. Yeah. Like, so that's I gotta even meet her. Right. Exactly. And so, um, you know, just to so you were talking about just now the um, what, what was your observances and just um, just to piggyback off of what you were just saying about um, so Eleanor goes into describing the labyrinth of tunnels underneath the city, 
Yeah. And, um, and another thing, so she goes into and describes every, you know, the FBI investigation thus far to kind of give, you know, Bosch asked her to, hey, uh, get me, you get me up to speed and then I'll, I'll pick it up from there. I, again, it, it, we, we talked about this the last podcast. Harry does not trust her yet. So, Would you know, you, any, I mean, she's an FBI agent. So right. I don't care how hot she is. She's still an FBI agent. Right, and so he he said, "Look, you know what? You know, again, I'm 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 thinking what I would do. Let me soak up all the information she has first, just in case tomorrow this thing doesn't end correctly. At least I have a, a right. idea where FBI's investigation is going thus far. Again, he might not be doing it that way, but that's how I would interpret it. So, but she, you know, she does give him, um, she does um, pick up, uh, you know, not that pick up. She actually tells um, um, Harry all the information about their investigation thus far." Uh, and actually, during this description, uh, it was pretty interesting, and I hope the readers picked up on it. She says, you know, uh, funny thing is they didn't need a bellman. And I hope, I don't know, again, you said we don't want to assume that, um, you know, did, did, does the readers understand what a bellman is? And just so the readers can understand what a bellman is, it's basically a person who who takes care of the alarms. You know, if you, you have someone who is, um, who is, um, their profession is disabling, circumventing, and overcoming different type of alarm systems. So just want to make sure you, um, the listeners knew that. Well, if you're going to go down that road, you, you might as well go all the way too. So other various jobs in the criminal enterprise would be like you have a wheelman. Wheelman, mm-hmm. His job is to make sure the car's drivable. He's right. handling everything behind the wheel. You have the gunman. Yeah, <laughs> self-explanatory. Know? Yeah, he's going to make sure all the weapons are done. Um, you have the intel guy and mm-hmm. advancing. It's pretty scary. The professional criminal is scary. And that's we're going to go deeper into that later. Right, we'll go, right. We, yeah, as as this chapter goes. So um, go ahead. Why don't you but no, like, one thing, like the back and forth. You go ahead. What's your... Mm-hmm. If just for a rec- you don't have to announce we're going to do it back and forth. You could just do it. <laughs> Got it. Hey, well, you know what? Again, I'm gonna keep. I'm actually going to keep this that portion what you just said in there because I want the listeners to understand one we're real. And yeah. two, it's it's one of those things we're just trying to. Uh, as we, as you know, we're only into our third podcast, so hopefully there will be some marketable changes as we go along. So go ahead. Yes. Well, no, one thing that stuck out to me too was during this interaction between the two, Harry did some self-reflection on mm-hmm. how he needs to be a better listener, and he constantly interrupts people while they're mm-hmm. trying to talk. And I personally can relate to it. I had to consciously tell myself, if Phil's talking now, but I want to jump in, I have to say, all right, Alan, shut the fuck up. Just wait. And then I find what I'm waiting is I forgot what I want to say, and then I get distracted. Um, I get distracted with that, and it's like, wait a minute, what was I going to say? And then as I'm concentrating on trying to remember, I'm not listening to you. So it's right. Right, I could totally relate to what Harry was doing there. Right. Um, one of the things um, we picked up, and they get, they, Michael's starting to get, um, Harry and Eleanor are starting to get some of the breadcrumbs to this investigation. And I like the fact how, uh, so the FBI was able to follow the, um, some paint that was on the scar marks on, in the tunnel, and they was able to follow it to a Honda dealership. And then the Honda, the Honda dealership told the FBI a person bought the uh, Honda uh, ATVs in cash. But 
the name they put on there was Frederick B. Isley, FBI. <laughs> you know, so I just thought that was hilarious. That isn't that I mean, so so even the criminal knew, hey, they're coming and I'm gonna fuck with you, you know. So right. I thought that was, I thought it was pretty unique. That's something I would totally do. But even before you go that far ahead, isn't it kind yeah, of funny yeah. that they can take a paint scrape, yes. little sample, and dial it in not only to who made it, when it was made, where mm-hmm. it was made, who it was more than likely sold to. That's some, and that was in the 90s. So imagine today, 2018, you can't right. get away with shit. Or as a criminal, you have to step your game up as well. Well, I, I, not to reveal, I mean, I'm pretty sure uh, any investigator or not any investigator, any well-informed listener can probably find out all the different elements in the FBI crime lab. I mean, they have, I had an investigation that, long story short, the, um, it was on tire marks and the skid, you know, it was the, the, it was, um, the, um, the criminal had left, um, left in a hurry and they left some rubber on the road, as we say. And I had um, our crime people come out and do a cast. Now, being a local PD, we don't, don't have the resources like, you know, the feds. And one of the things the feds are great for is they got great resources. So we sent that cast to FBI and they were able to come back with the, the brand the the year was made and in this area who distributed them. I'm like, holy moly. And then based on that information, we were able to go to a certain amount of dealerships in the defendant's uh, general area and they found, yeah, the defendant had bought those tire marks. I mean, bought those tires. I'm like, wow. Yeah. So it's not just Hollywood. It does happen. Well, I need to go back on that too. The the levels of criminals is, is interesting. Like with this particular case, you you have hardened criminals like what Eleanor brought them up to speed in terms of they had weapons they went into this much planning right basically these guys weren't going back to jail so no. if you ran into them prepare for a fight so that's the hardened criminal then you mm-hmm. have everything in between and down on the totem pole you know just a random drunk college student and what I find interesting is that as a police officer you have to be prepared to handle. All of the above. You got to be right. prepared to handle the drunk college student that's just pissing someone's car, or the right. hardened criminal that spent six months researching this and he's armed to the hilt and he's not going back. So you don't know what you're going to deal with. It's not like you go to work and it's like, hey, today we're going to deal with the hardened criminal. Tomorrow we're dealing with drunk disorderlies. Right. You have no clue what you're going to encounter, and that goes to how the anxiety is constantly building, and you have to manage that. Yeah, you do, and and um. Again, we we, and it's again a common theme for us. We like people to react to us, opposed to us reacting to them. And so you have to be tactically sound and and t- almost trying to anticipate every angle, so that at least you have a plan. You know, now most plans go to shit, but at least you had a plan going into it. Yeah, and you know what? Too, you have to have a level of respect. I have to say. So then, uh, uh, Eleanor and um, Bosch make their way back to the the bureau and. I, yeah, I picked this one out for you where uh, um, uh, Eleanor gives him a, um, a desk so he can work out of, so he can watch some videos or, of, you know, they took a videos of the tunnel. And, you know, when, when um, 
Bosch gets down there, he noticed that it was uh, three, um, the, the squad was a lot busier than the day before. And it was three guys hanging around, you know, with the donuts in their hand. I've made little notes to myself to, um, if I ever had the pleasure to, to interview Michael, to ask him certain things. One <laughs> I want to ask him and say, okay, I mean, is it, is it some stereotypes are, are made for a reason, but uh, did you actually see that happen when, you know, when you know, in your interaction with law enforcement? But, again, you, you know, you kept putting uh, the donut thing out there. But one of the things also, too, is when um, Bosch was interviewing, I mean, reviewing the videotape at that one vacant desk, those uh, agents kind of, kind of dispersed. And I've been in that position, too, where, you know, you work with the feds and then they bring you into your, their their, their them. And while you're in their sanctum, you get the feeling like you are, uh, a, you know, that you are still not welcome. Right. You're the and, leopard. Yeah, you're the leopard. Thank you. That's a good point. You, you are the leopard. And so Bosch picked up on that right away. Well, you know, I thought a quick side note. Uh, sure. The stereotype about cops and donuts is absolutely true. <laughs> and I knew exactly what time the fresh donuts were delivered on midnights at 7-Eleven. We were there at 3 o'clock in the morning to get the fresh donuts and get our fresh cup of coffee. So, hell yeah. That shit yeah. is awesome. It's um, awesome. But what I thought was cool, though, in that office is Rourke made every effort to extend the olive branch to mm-hmm. um, Harry. And it's... I understand Harry's reluctance to accept the olive ranch. And he's just like, you know, you can go fuck yourself, dude. But at some point right. you're like, I got to give him a chance to it. But it's hard. Cause it's like, you were pissed on, you knew this guy called IAD on you, but how do you bury the hatchet for the greater good and move on? I am still human. Well, you know, and, and actually, um, I think even, um, Harry Rourke was persistent. Cause he said, look, we don't have to like each other. Just give me your best work. Yeah. You know, do what you do. Give me your best work. Right, and, well, and again, so uh, what we were talking about earlier, I think um, Harry asked her, you know, do you like Rourke? Or, tell me about him. She said, well, Eleanor says, well, he's a good administrator. And Harry says, no way there's anything between them two. You don't tell a lover. You don't describe a lover or someone you're involved with as a, as a good administrator. <laughs> Not unless you're really good at keeping it under wraps. <laughs> right, right, right. And, um, so one of the things, uh, uh, you know, keeping the Rourke thing um, going, which you just pointed out, was, you know, Harry was kind of digging into um, Rourke a little bit with Eleanor. And, you know, they had they had medals under surveillance and, you know, they were doing everything. But then they, you know, just before, just after they cut surveillance, that's when um, medals seemed to have uh, died. So, um, you know, Harry was kind of throwing some uh, shade at Rourke for canceling the surveillance and then you know uh, Eleanor came back over top and said well you know you're looking at it now and Harry had to begrudgingly and you and I know this this line from the book he says nowhere and nowhere is it hindsight better than in cop work because everybody wanted a second guess what you did <sighs> oh if I had that done if I did this and I did that like you know what do you you're dick. all full Be- of shit <laughs> yeah because you know no right. one gets it but 
you know, Harry had to back off a little bit on Rourke on that begrudgingly say, look, I, he recognized in our profession, there's nothing. Everyone likes the Monday night quarterback. Everyone likes to say, if I had that investigation, I would have did this. And if I had that investigation, I would have done that. And the worst does a Monday night quarterback happen is in court because that's all court work is, is Monday night quarterbacking. Sometimes the truth be damned, especially when you have a great investigation and everything is locked in. The defense counsel, only thing they're doing is Monday night quarterbacking to give reasonable doubt for their client. But that's all, that's their job, though. That's why our job as law enforcement is so important, because you need to remove that reasonable doubt. And I was right. told by somebody that police officers are tasked with two huge responsibilities. Anytime yes. you can take someone's life or you can take their freedom. So I don't mind that level of scrutiny. It's a pain in the ass, and sometimes yep. it can be embarrassing on the stand. But you yep. know what, though? That's, that's the important thing. Yeah, that's... But also, too, during this back and forth... Um, they brought up your partner's habits and how they can personally drive you crazy. And it just, just reminded me too, I had to deal <laughs> with my, the personal habits of my partner every day. He would eat his carrots and tuna fish. And it's like, as soon as he cracked the can of the tuna fish, it's like that stinks up the whole car. And <laughs> the way he ate his carrots was right. like, he would snap them just, and then we chew really loud. And I, I, I'm not going to say I plotted his homicide, but I wanted to punch him in his throat. And he's one of the nicest guys on the planet. Um, I just, he drove me nuts. Well, so, so you're, uh, let's make sure um, you, the listeners know you're talking about, um, so Lewis and Clark, following up from the last chapter, Lewis and Clark were told by uh, Irving Irving to keep a tail and keep doing the investigation on Bosch. Michael has put this into a world of partnerships, and Lewis and Clark are following um, Harry around per orders of um, Irving Irving, Chief Irving. And um, so he actually gets into the partnerships and annoyances that that partners go through. And my most of my career, I had female partners. And so they became, we call each other uh, our, our work husbands and wives. Hey, let me ask you. All right. So I know it's an awkward thing. So yeah, how did yeah. that play in your personal life with your wife? Like you had someone that was referred to as your work wife. Because I'm going to tell you, in this house, yeah, that's Great not going to be cool, man. That's, that's not going to work. Well, you know, it's it's actually um, I've been I was blessed that my wife was with me early on in my career, and one of the things that always um, that I always was attracted to, especially being um, in the type of work we do, I can get a two o'clock call in the morning, and I had informers, you know, male informers, female informers, and. So she understood right off the bat that that's my life. That's the career. I can roll out at 2 o'clock in the morning. And she was so self-assured within herself and our relationship that that really didn't come in her come to her mind. Um, so um, it, it really didn't really wasn't a, um, a problem on our side and because there were clear lines. And, and uh, so, no, it didn't bother. It didn't really didn't bother us at all. Um, but because she understood, you know, she understood that that's part of my cop life. That's like carrying a gun that I'm in danger that I can go out the house. And that's just part of it. The key thing is she knew when I was um, it wasn't like I surprised her on it that that's what I wanted to be. And it wasn't like I didn't never kept her appraised of what was happening. So it wasn't that much of an issue. No, 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 no. I'm not asking about like the whole like being a partner with a woman, but them being referred to as your work wife. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, detective, pick up on that. No, I missed up. No, it wasn't no problem. Okay, all right. Not at all. Yeah. So, but no, you, you, you know, but you know, um, 
and one of the things uh, about that whole partnership, uh, I think um, one of the partners was not, you know, said, look, the, the deal is I, when you drive, and again, this is Michael at his best while we're doing this podcast to let the listeners know Michael's, Michael's articulation and observation when it comes to law enforcement is spot on. Because if you drive, the, the rider does everything else. You take the notes. Yep. You, you, you know, if I'm driving, I'm, I, I'm driving. That means you do everything else. And so I think Lewis and Clark were actually you know, going back, going back and forth on things. And, and um, one of the things that uh, Harry did, which you know, so what? So what happened is after they left the squad room, um, the, again they had a, a follow up on um, on Sharky, and even even uh, Clark knew that Harry keeps stuff behind. You know, I mean, he held stuff back because he, Harry even told Eleanor. Eleanor says, "Well, I read the murder book. I didn't see anything in there about a witness." And even uh, Clark says, "Yeah, that's what Harry does, and that's what any investigator do. You before you you memorialize it in writing, you want to follow it up." First, you know, you want to follow up where the lead might take you, and then you memorialize it so you have a better idea how to memorialize it properly. And see, what I'd like to point out with this, um, IED does have a job. We agree mm-hmm. on that. Yep, they do. But they were snuffed out by FBI in this. In this particular case, as it starts to snowball, the scope of it's becoming larger and larger and larger. This isn't the disorderly guy. This is turning yeah. out to be some, like, borderline syndicate shit. So right. with that, Harry's trying to follow a lead by tracking down our boy, um, what's his name, Sharky. Mm-hmm, Sharky. Mm-hmm. While they're doing that, IAD's following him. So IAD, in theory, could spook the target you're trying to follow and fuck everything up. Definitely. So by doing that, investigating him unnecessarily, you jeopardize the entire investigation. And that's what I can't stand about AD. This is not some unicorn that happened in a vacuum. This happens constantly throughout the nation, and they have to cut this bullshit out. Because I'm telling you, if it was my investigation and it got scuttled because IAD on some false claim, it is following me just because of this vendetta with Chief Irving, that's not going to work, man. Well, like I said, it, 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 it went over the line of being professional to personal. Yeah, because because even Bosch noticed that because he called, you know, he was like, I wonder because he, he picked up on what you just said. You know, he went and called the uh, their office because he knew about it from um, by heart because of the doll maker case. And he called their office and said, hey, you know, I'm looking for. Um, well, first he he, he posed as a uh, lieutenant, uh, lieutenant pounds. I'm looking for the, the two detectives and the secretary. So they were they were out on on a personal, not that out doing an investigation. They were out on a personal, which then made it seem so. so Bosch had to reflect, like, Dad, did he kick them in the balls too hard? You know, be, are they actually doing this? You know, you know, are, it's off the books type of thing. Yeah. Um, so also, um, so the, the, the investigation, um, they, you know, uh, um, Harry had got some information from the, uh, they called the shake card or the, the, the field investigator card and, um, Her- uh, Sharky's, uh, notes, um, uh, where he hangs out. And one of the, you know, so they hit all the different places that, that he hangs out and they come up to one of the locations and they go to the hotel or motel where he stays and what I love about this is that uh, the the clerk, you know, again, some people know 
cops right off the bat, and he walked up. <laughs> they didn't have to even show their badge, you know. The, you know the guy. You know the, the guy behind the glass goes, "Yes, officer, can I help you?" <laughs> look, just for the record, most cops hate knowing they look like cops. It's right. like this little dig. My wife does right. that to me. Right. He said, dude, you're a cop. So, and I love that line, you know, hey, hey, officer, can I help you? And again, he, this guy, and look, he didn't have to, he didn't even go through the routine of, um, give, me, give me a warrant. You know, he says, here's the keys. And he goes, there's a very expensive door. So, again, he's been down the road, and I've had the same thing. You go, you hit the same location over and over and over again. And what you're trying to do is they know, Look, I'd rather just give the cops what they want because if I don't, I'm going to have to replace the door. I'm going to take the time to fix the door. And it's just, just be careful with the door. So uh, when they go inside the uh, location, Sharky's not there, but it's this uh, young female, and it looks like she had a, uh, a female hooker, and she had a guy off the street. Well, hold and, on, too. How else would you describe this place? This isn't exactly some place that you're going to take your wife after a nice dinner. This place is more or less for runaways, for drug dealers, for prostitutes. It's one of those, they, they rent by the hour. <laughs> yeah, they rent by the hour, right, right, right. <laughs> you know, so I, just to give the, the listener more context, you, you're not going to have Thanksgiving dinner there. That's no, not the and, type and of you, place. In every um, in every city has those 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 motels those those red, what they call the red light district. Yeah. Uh, um, while they get inside there, um, they interview this this one uh, one lady um, who's part of Sharky's. I wouldn't uh, call her a lady though. Well, young young. Well, I mean, I'm being very nice. Okay, no, no, yeah, she's a whore. Right. Let's and, just call and, it what it is. And um, she um, so they, they interview Underage. her. Definitely underage. They interview her and they interview the guy who just got out of jail and, and he, he had neo-Nazi tags on him and all that kind of stuff. Again, Easter egg, you know, it's kind of, again, uh, uh, these little Easter eggs that 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 Michael gave, uh, gave us. Again, I said, again, if it just bears to reiterate, I wonder how long he was planning future books. Wait a minute. So, Hold on. I missed the Easter egg. The Nazi comes in a later book or something? Not him, but the, the tag comes up in a later book. The, the whole oh, Nazi per- persona comes up in a later down. book. Okay, yeah. note to self, Nazi tag comes up in later book. Yeah, it comes up in a later book, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, now, That's and some I good wanna, shit. That's some good shit, Phil. Good yeah, job. Yeah, yeah. So, again, so I want to again ask Michael one of the questions about, you know, how far out of advance does he do his books and just get behind the scenes on how he actually, you know, get behind the scenes of writing books. So now what I thought was interesting, too, <laughs> you're in a difficult street. The girl wasn't interested in being rescued by the cops. Right. <laughs> she wasn't interested in following a report. Right. She just wanted her goddamn money. That's right, right, right. And what I thought was funny, here's Eleanor. She caught the guy running out the back as she went out the back. She mm-hmm. brought him in, and here she is barking orders. We need to take him in and book him. And, you know, he's handcuffed, and Harry goes to uncuff him, I think. Yeah. And Eleanor's losing her shit. And that's, yes. that's what I brought up with you earlier. You know, she's like, we're going to take him down and book him. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Hold on, Federale. You don't yeah. have the authority to lock him up. That's right. me. And... I don't want to lock him up. So you can't make me take this lockup. It, it, you have the vantage point of well, feeling high and mighty because you're a fed, but you understand what goes into this. One, the case is probably going to get thrown out. Two, it's going to take three to four hours of paperwork. 
And then four, you get, I mean, three, you're getting distracted from the greater good, which is we need to cultivate a source here, whether it's him or her, we need to find right. Sharky, the greater good, that's what's up. And Eleanor seemed to throw a little hissy fit, and you could see the little mannerisms change, and it's like, yeah, girl, get over this shit. Well, well, so why are we doing that? It's two things, two things I want to point out. First, that one guy with the neo-Nazi tags, you know, um, Bosch cuts him loose, and he kicks him in the butt, and he calls him, he said, get out of here, short eyes. And again, I hope, I don't know if the listeners know what short eyes mean, but short eyes are, is a, is a, is a terminology for um, um, pedophile. And they call them short eyes because they're always squinting or getting, you know, when, they, when they're looking at the, the, um, the, the, the images, they get kind of squint eyes, so they call them short eyes. So I just want to make sure the, uh, the listeners know that. And two, what I, you know, again, Bosch knows, you know, that Eleanor smoked him again with those eyes. <laughs> you know, maybe she said, you know, she smoked him with the eyes. And basically, uh, Bosch said the same thing. He said, look, we found medals on Sunday. Today's Tuesday. The fact about homicide, the odds greatly diminish the longer the uh, each day on the calendar. So I'm sorry. Right, <laughs> tick tock. Right, tick, I didn't. Right, he said it didn't. It, it didn't help us to waste all day booking this asshole who probably was baited into this motel by a, a street, a 16 year old street hooker who's really and, probably going on 30. Exactly, her body may be 16, but her life experience got her over 30 easily. And just like just like you said, and he said, it wouldn't be you who who um who had to do all the paperwork. It would be me because it's not a federal charge. Well, and it just goes to it's I, again. I respect the FBI; they have a function, but they are extremely disconnected from the street in the real world. They don't understand right. how the day to day grind of the court actually works and what's considered well. Um, what was the phrase? Um, prosecutional merit. You know, uh-huh. which is a fancy way of saying, is it worth the government's time and effort to go forth on the case? So right. it's like the FBI is disconnected from that. So let's just, if we were feeling all high and mighty, we were going to lock this guy up for mm-hmm. underage sex. What's really going to happen? You're literally going to waste the time and resources of the government only to have the case thrown out. And the U.S. attorney is going to look at you like, hey, dumbass, you knew I was going to throw this out. Why are we doing this? Right. Why are we doing this? And so... Um but she actually goes, and she does have a little point. Uh, she says something to the effect of, hey, um, this, it's all about trust. I made the call. You should have backed me up. But uh, okay, see, the but trust works both ways. I was going to say the trust works both. You're making an assumption that I want to do this paperwork, and I'm going to back you up just on your word. So, yeah, you made the call, but you made the call on my behalf right. without consulting me. So you can actually go fuck yourself on that one. Well, that goes, you know, see, that goes back to nuances and how long, you know, Lewis and Clark, you know, if you have any time as a partner, I can give my, if my brother was my partner for any length of time, I can give him a look. And before we even do anything, yep. like, okay, we're walking or we're going to lock him up or we're about to fight, you know, or, or we're, we're about to fight, you know, um, we don't have to wait for anyone to throw the first punch, you know, so again, that whole partnership and, and even Eleanor was right in a way, but she was wrong in her delivery. So yeah, that thought that was, um, that was pretty cool. And it goes, you know, to show there's their first day actually working together. So you got to right. iron out the bugs, you know, got to feel each other. Yep. 
when they pulled away from the motel, Bosch noticed in the rearview mirror um, of the, the ID guys following him. And one of the lines, which is so true, is he wanted to know, um, he, Bosch, you know, one of the things that Michael said that um, Bosch knew that law enforcement officers usually are the last to know when they're under surveillance because they're, they're the hunters, not the prey. And that is so true, you know, because most of the time cops don't, don't follow that they're being followed because, um, and it's one of the things that one of the habits that I got into, especially when I was doing some um, undercover work, is that you never take the same route home. You always, you know, don't get in the habit. You always take a different route home um, because you never know if you're being followed. So you mix up your times. Mess up exactly. You miss your times up and all that kind of stuff. So they leave. Bosch had made Bosch made a point. He says, you know, you know, he kept looking at Eleanor. He kept looking at her. And again, here's that sexual thing coming out, you know, that, you know, and so she called him. She said, why do you keep staring at me? And he says, you know, I'm just trying to figure you out. Right. And Translation, he says, you? I'm going to put my tongue down your throat. Right. <laughs> well, he covered it up. You know, it's funny. He covered it up because he said, you know, and he said, well, I'm not saying I am looking at you but if I was looking at you I'm trying to figure you out and she goes what, you know what do you mean I'm figuring you know kind of like what do you mean he says well you know most people he understands in the in this particular squad are dinosaurs and fuck-ups or agents too old or too dumb to use a computer to trace some white-collar you know scumbag he said and there's no way that you're a dinosaur and you're definitely not a fuck up. So I'm just trying to figure you out. So that was a way to kind of break the ice because he kind of noticed a little, a smile on her face a little bit. Right. And you know, it's, it's one of those things. Um, she was actually kind of proud the way she touted herself. She's like, no, I'm none of that. I'm actually deserved to be here. And I'm like, okay, if that's your thing, it's a bank robbery. Exactly. Cool. Go for it. Exactly. Uh, so then uh, they, they they catch up they 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 um they catch up with Sharky. They right. were able to they, they were able to the, they, they were able to catch up with Sharky. Spike. Right. And, and at the same time, IED's there too. Right. ID is constantly the, lingering. I don't know if you picked up on it, but they're driving me nuts. Well, you know what? And then well, let me back about because I jumped ahead a little bit. Right in this instant, again to go up. Um, Sharky sees Bosch and Eleanor coming, and he's thinking, he's like, shit, can I run? Am I clean? Wait a minute, the credit cards. But one of the lines... Right, because he's doing a quick inventory from what's from the pedophile guy that he uh, robbed the other night. So he's like, do I have anything from that? What's going on? i got two seconds. Do I run or do I stay? Well, then he said, I was surprised that the guy made a report they never did before. Right. And again, back back then, remember, um, they, again, they, I'm just using the terminology they use, you know, he said called queer, you know, the queer, you know, um, you know, 1992 terminology. Um, um, and but the, the fact that he knew that they don't that Sharky knew that 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 that, that these guys don't file reports made them more vulnerable for future robberies. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. And so, um, so they, they find Sharky. There's <laughs> a couple of things I love the way that, that Bosch kind of cajoles Sharky to come down to uh, to the division and give a statement. And he walks with me, puts his hands on his shoulder because, as we know, this guy got some rabbit. You know, he might have some rabbit in him. So, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and to tell the audience what that is. Rabbit means he might run. Right. He might. He well, might. He's going to run. <laughs> right. He go, right. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna run, <laughs> and and Bosch is too old to go chasing somebody. 
Right. And then he tells him right off the bat, you look, you're not a suspect, you know, you know, um, put your hands in the hood. I got to I got to um, I got to search you because if I don't search, I got my handcuffs. So you come on, man. You said when the suspect. Yes, I know that. But, you know, the routine. He says, I'm not going to take everything. Only thing I can't give you back is the pictures. And Sharky look at him and says, yes, we know about the pictures, Sharky. Again, you got to tell these guys the truth because they're not dumb. You know, again, go back to the you know, early part of this podcast. You, as you said, you know, criminals aren't dumb. Just because they're criminals don't mean they're dumb. And yeah. Shark is no way is he a dummy. Yeah, they just made different choices than you and I. That's all. Right, they right. They made that choice. And here we go. We're going to the station. And I like the banter back and forth with Harry Bosch and um, Sharky. I actually like Sharky. He's funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you but you know, he's uh, in in um, chapter one. Um, before we identified that Sharky was integral to this investigation, uh, there was a rule. You know, he had noticed that the, that the shark is a juvenile, and juveniles can't be um, in the same room with adults. And Harry Unless described it there. Right. Harry describes it as that's kind of like saying you can't put sharks. I mean, you can't put coyotes in, in the same room as wolves. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're both predators. <laughs> right. Someone's going to come out bloody. <laughs> but, you know, what exactly. I like is when Harry got to the station, the whole mm-hmm. setup, you know, it's yes. like, yes, he, yes. He's like, he knows he's hungry. So we're going to order food, but we're going to order some fucked up shit. We're going to order pizza right. with nothing good on it. Just anchovies. I'm like, oh, right. that's a dick move. We also know that he needs um, uh, what is something to drink. So they got a uh-huh. Coke, but we're going to make sure it's warm. It's not going right. to be cold. You know, all that stuff goes into it. Also, Harry made the uh, note, I'm going to let him smoke in here. And, right. of course, Eleanor doesn't like that. Right. Right. And, well, you know, I love about that. Um, before they go in there, um, Harry has some talks with Eleanor and one of the lines, you know, they, they, you know, Eleanor, he says, well, you want some, you know, you want some of this interview because there's usually a yin and a yang to an interview. There's nothing very, it's not uniformed. I mean, even though we go to investigate interview classes and there's some body uh, things that you pick up on, it's still, it's an art opposed to a science. Yeah. And one of the things that he said to Eleanor, you know, I, I love it. You know, he, he says, she doesn't know she doesn't go, <laughs> which means if you don't know that, you ain't going. You just sit back and go, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, you, you just act like you're busy, write some stuff down. Right. And um, so what, what was cool about that is, um, what was cool about that is, um, you know, also it was a chair. It, it's kind of funny. That's, it's a really slick chair that, that slides. The whole idea is to keep these people uh, uncomfortable, which he does a good job. Of, Michael does a good job of explaining it to the, uh, the listener or the reader. Well, don't forget, too, I, I don't know if you guys did, but I know certain detectives I ran into or myself, you always had the chair that was, like, slanted or uneven. You know, you had it tilted forward so they couldn't sit flat. They're always constantly adjusting themselves. It's a dick move, but it's done for a reason. Right. Right. So, um, you know, then they get they, they, um, the, the interview. And, again, Eleanor, Eleanor stops them. You know, she, 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 she stops and says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Well, and, don't forget the FBI has a very by-the-book approach to interrogations, which is very frustrating because something as fluid as an interrogation, you can't follow a script. You never right. know where it's going to go. And, you know, she has like, she has like this checklist of, I want to go down and go ask this question, this one, this one. And it's like, no, it's sometimes just let them talk. Let, well, in, in, it's funny because at doing that interview, doing that interview, Bosch, um, you know, again, this is part of a 
evolving story that Sharky has. And you never get the first answer to a question when you're interviewing a source or, or possible, well, mostly a source on the first time. You got to ask them this over and over again. You know, you don't have one interview. You probably have five interviews with the person. And most of the time it's not because they are trying to be um, evasive. Most of the time they don't understand a question you, you're asking and they're trying to real quickly think about the answer and how it might implicate them. And Sharky was identically doing that in his thing, in this interview, because first he just gave him the, the you know, you know, I wasn't up there. And Bosch said, yes, you were. You forgot about the tag. Well, I was up there for a little bit. Right. So, right. yeah, okay. I go up there to sleep sometimes. Right. Then he lies. We got your fingerprint. How do you think we got you, Sharky? How do right. you think, you know, you know, we got you because of your fingerprints? Lie. But, you know, again, there's somebody. <laughs> it's actually, actually, there is some Supreme Court decision that during the interviews, law enforcement can lie to a defendant. People yeah. don't realize that, yeah. But you know, something else that I thought was interesting, too, I heard uh, Neil deGrasse um, make an interesting observation that in scientific research, eyewitness testimony is considered the lowest bar for proving something scientifically. But yet, in a court of law, it's considered the highest standard where the stakes are potentially higher. I just think that's funny. Sound. Right. It, eyewitness yeah. testimony is just so unreliable. And that's right. why you have to keep going back and forth with these interrogations. It's like, we're going to go over the story again. Well, it, it, again, um, well, what's funny, uh, that also jogged the memory of mine, is one of the investigative classes I went to is, I think, just for better lack of being more specific, I'm just going to say generally, I want to say it was 15 of us in the class. I'm not sure the actual number. And the just to show you how, um, how you have to overcome the eyewitness testimony, we uh, it, it, it was, we got in a circle, and the, fa- the facilitator gave uh, a, a paragraph to read of a scenario to the first person, and then that first person had to tell the next person, and then it came around, and once it got back around to like the fifteenth person, he had to tell articulate the story. No, oh, and then the next person told the next person told. Um, in secret, you know, whispered in the ear uh, the, the scenario, the paragraph. So as it went around, it was all whispered until he got to the last person. Then he had articulated. <laughs> it was wrong. I'm getting stressed out just thinking about that. So, yes. So, again, I probably did a bad articulation. So the, the, the on a piece of paper was the white man drove a red car down Fifth Street and made a left on to the boulevard. So by the time it got around, it was the black man driving a car. There was five people in the car. <laughs> With a midget giving out free blowjobs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, well, and, and the exercise was very good because it, it, it went home. Here we are trained investigators and we're just humans. That's what you have to overcome. You have to overcome that. So what you have to do, and again, they give us techniques what to do to overcome those different um, interpretations because you know, my red is your, um, you know, plum or whatever, right. that type of thing. So, um, again, I, you know, not to be too off target, but um, on that. So they get into the interview with Sharky and then Sharky starts to, again, first, um, just like I was saying. Um, He's allowed to Ele- smoke. Right. And Eleanor, Eleanor kind of, is, you know, kind of jumping in and she and Bosch told her, well, one, I, I'm telling him the truth because he's no dummy. And I have to let him know he's not a suspect because she says, you should Mirandize him. 
I'm not what? Mirandizing him because I don't think it's a suspect. So he gets in there and goes, first thing, Sharky's, why are we recording? Because I want to make sure that everyone knows that, you know, so let's just get this out the way. Did you do the guy in the pike? Knowing he didn't, but that overcomes right off the bat to Miranda. Because if you thought that he was a, um, a suspect, then you had to Mirandize him. So well, he's just a witness. Just, so he freaked out, too. He's like, what do you mean? See, I knew this was set up. Right, I knew you were bullshitting me, right? Like, no, <laughs> right, right. Sharky, let me dumb this down for you. <laughs> right, this is actually right. going to help you. Right. Did you do and the guy in the pipe? <laughs> no, I didn't do it. So, so now, so now, it also puts Sharky at ease because okay, they just, they just want to hear about the my story. They just want to tell me they want they want my story opposed to I'm um, a suspect. So it, it's Bosch put him on ease, like dude, just tell it, just tell it like it is. And he said, "Why well, didn't see anything?" But he did see something. He saw a lot. You know, one it was two people. He knew that it was a branch that was that that was used to sweep the sweep the uh, the, 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 the yeah all the all the all the marks and everything. He understood that the the broken light was was bro- uh, broken on purpose. Was Again, it two this, or three? Because wasn't it like one guy sitting in the car, and then the other two got the body out? No, it was it was two guys. One was guy in the car, guys. and and a smaller guy, as Sharky called in in the back seat. Prime example and, right there with eyewitness testimony. I thought it was three. You you say it's two. See? No, it's two. It was just it was two. And the fact that they drove in darkness, he knew it was a jeep. He knew it was some type of logo uh, that looked like a DPW jeep. You know, Sharky gave some really good. You know, some you know again going from the very initial thing. I didn't see anything. You know? <laughs> yeah. So you just gave me a Bible verse. Right. And again, it's, it's, it, even he gave him a lot. It really wasn't much to go on right now. Yeah. It really wasn't much to go on. So, um, and again, another thing that um, Bosch, you know, said to Sharky that I like, he said, are you a faggot, Sharky? <laughs> no, man. Again, again, it's that push and pull. You know, it's that push and pull during this, um, this portion of the uh, interview. And it's, it's normal. And to disarm him, too. And right. Relax them. You know, it's like, right. hey, we're gonna we're gonna get you as relaxed as possible, so you can give us as much as possible, because you never know what detail you can give us that will actually help break the case. Right. Right. And it's, and one of the things that um he um, Basha told Eleanor that you know you know because she kind of found it disgusting. And she's and he said, you know, hey, these kids are smart. You know, instead of going with these guys doing God knows what, catching diseases or maybe being killed, he, so he sells pictures. You know, yeah. that's that's a, the, and he even said, you feel sorry for him now. He said he's smart now. He, that's not going to be his first time or his last time in an interview room like that. So you know, no, get over, he's get over. Yeah, he's he's this is the training ground for a career criminal. Right, right, right. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah, it was it was very good. This whole this whole thing, um, you know, one of the things that uh, that happened that 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 Harry revealed, which I've never been experienced with this. I guess back then LAPD had hypnotists. They, uh, that law enforcement was uh, able to hypnotize people, and I never had any experience with that. You know, neither have I. You know, it's I my ignorance. Let me just preface it with that. I think it's total bullshit. But when it was explained to me, because I did some further research. You're not, it's not the sense like, hey, I'm going to hypnotize you and um, you're going to bark like a duck or a dog because I, right, I got a right. spell on you. It's actually more, it's an enhanced meditation. It's, it's used to relax the mind, to help you retrieve something from your memory. Now, when it was explained to me in that context, I can see its, its, its value. Mm-hmm. The problem is just like what Harry pointed out, you, you open yourself up to legal exposure 
and creating that reasonable doubt. So I can see how LAPD would want to steer away from that as, as, as a tool because you could literally get a case thrown out. It's like, well, hey, through the power of suggestion, how do I know that the client was actually right, telling right. the truth? And you don't, you won't, let's stay away from that. Let's stick Well, you got to, yeah, you got to make a decision right then and there is, um, you got to make a decision right then and there is the value of his testimony worth because you would never be able to put him on the stand. With, you know, in, not to be so serious, what I thought was so funny, too, is when the pizza did arrive in Shark, he's like, anchovies? I hate anchovies. But the fucker still ate three quarters he of tore, pizza. Yeah, he tore it up, didn't he? Yeah, yeah he tore I the thought pizza that was up, funny. Yeah. And it's, it's done all for a reason. It's not to be bitter. It's like, look, I, I want to know where you're at psychologically and emotionally, mm -hmm, and then I'm going to mm -hmm. parlay that into uh, something I can use. I thought that was just funny. Like, there's Bosch's little dig at him. Like, look, I'm going to get you a pizza. It's the most fucked up pizza there is, but there's your pizza. Well, you know, one of the things I, um, and, and to, to, to finish up the interview, what happened was, you know, Eleanor in her own way was trying to get personal with Bosch. She's like, I see you taking care of him. Well, he reminds you of you when you were young. And he's like, no, 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 right. not really. He said, just, he, I look at him as a witness. He said, and, and again, from the book, he says, he'll be in and out of the room like this his whole life. He'll kill somebody or they'll kill him. It's Darwin's rule, survival of the fittest. <laughs> well, and he's fit to survive. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I don't care about him. I don't care about him. I put him in the shelter because I want to know where he is just in case I need him. Um, that's all. <laughs> but I, you, you kind of jumped ahead, too. But don't forget, Bosch, Eleanor was getting upset that her perception was that Sharky was running an interrogation. And, um, right. Harry had to explain to her, like, hey, no, I'm letting him talk. And that's the number one rule in interrogation is keep him talking. Yeah, don't interrupt keep, them. Keep them talking. Just let them talk. Just let them keep, talk. And keep we'll, them talking. If we have something specific to ask afterwards, we can do that. But let them keep talking. Right, right. And so as they, as they finished up, um, as they finished up, I guess they, um, and again, the, I I love the strong character development that that uh, Michael had for uh, Eleanor, because um, as they finished up, they were going to kick Sharky to the, kick him, let him go for the day. Boss kind of kind of you know jumped ahead and said, "Hey, you want to have dinner?" And she said, "No, I'm pretty much has something else to go and, on." And I think that's and, where the sparks are starting, right? Right, there. and well, then what, what was what was what was what was um, what was um, what was interesting? Bosch evidently he 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 got his back up. And, you know, he got close to her face because she had been all this time. She had been making mentions how Bosch reminded her of her brother and all this kind of stuff. And one of the things he gets right into her face, he says, look, you know, we can work together. We can even find metals a killer. You know, if we get a break today, but we won't really be partners. So you shouldn't act like we are partners. You know, don't tell me about your little brother. Don't tell me about the crew cut. I'll remind him of him. I'll you remind you of him. you think he did that because she turned him down? Oh, definitely. Definitely. And he was even better because then she called him out. She waited for a little bit. She says, do you always get this mad when women turn you down for yeah. dinner? <laughs> I love that. I love how she just, you know, wasn't it again, you know, again, she wasn't intimidated. You know, she smoked him with her eyes. She told this guy, get your fucking hands off of me. And then instead of getting her back up, she goes, do you get this upset when women turn you down for dinner? <laughs> yeah, I love it. You actually love that shit. I love that stuff. I love, you know, um, I love strong women. I love, I love strong women. And, I, and the fact that, he, uh, that, that Michael could, um, 
um, I I made it my practice to have a woman, a female partner, and that was just my choice because really, oh yeah, well, well you just said it, you know we're all Eiffel. Uh, alpha males. Can you imagine you and I being a partner? Could you imagine? Yeah, <laughs> let's, 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 no, no, no. Well, let's be honest. Okay, let's let's noodle that out. Let's noodle that out. All right. You, you and I can be good partners because we work well together. But do you? Then most of the time, because I know I get into a situation and my ego will might might get me in trouble. It'll be and like so, it'll be just like Lethal Weapon. You're going to be Danny Glover, and I'm going to be Mel Gibson. I'm going to do that crazy shit that you're like, I can't believe you just did that. I'm like, yep, I did. Well, see, I found it beneficial to me because when I'm playing a good cop, bad cop, again, I use my bar, I use my, my, my female partner femininity, if that's hope I use that word correctly, to our advantage. So I always played the, the asshole bad cop. And we knew that. That was the dance. And like, mm, I really want to, but you know, that's my partner right there. And just like in just like the back and forth right in this particular, particular portion of this interview with Sharky, Bosch had picked up right off the bat that every time Sharky lied, he looked at Eleanor. Right. So as for sympathy, and that was the tell. And it was easy for me to get when, with my female partners to find out if a guy, because it's true, you know, some, sometimes most men, or vice versa, when we interviewed a female, um, they would always turn to me as though I was the, the savior. I was the savior, you know, so I, I always found it better to work with a female partner because my ego was in check. And my, my, most of my partners had no problem making me check my ego. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I guess I initially when I first got into the apartment, I was a chauvinist, and I have no problems admitting it. I had a, a bad stint of uh, female police officers that were very attractive and seemed to get their way because they batted their eyelashes, and right. they were not worth a shit. And because of that, I have no problems admitting that whenever I had a female partner, she immediately started out behind the eight ball. And I do acknowledge that's unfair, but that's just being honest. Right. No, we want, we want to keep it real for the listeners. Yeah. You know? But, you know, the funny and, thing, too, is the same thing. In my riot platoon, some of the baddest cops were females that were next to me. You know, some oh. I was like, oof, man, did you have to hit them that hard? Jesus Christ. Dude, it was this one female officer, and when, we, when I was in patrol, if there was a fight to come down, she was all, it, it was one of those things, she, we were, it was like the battle lines were drawn, and here she comes flying over the line. I'm like, whoa. Right. <laughs> Literally like just like, like, yeah, like diving into the pile and just start kicking ass, like, oh, shit. So, so okay, that, focus, the, focus. We, yeah, focus. So don't we go on to, we find a um, uh, shelter for him, and we get him back to his bike, Mm-hmm. They go their separate ways. But also, right. Bosch is going deep into Meadows' record. And right, right. I thought it was interesting. You saw he stayed in country, um, Vietnam, even after the um, yeah after the uh, fighting had stopped, relatively speaking, and he was doing odd jobs for the military. What I thought was interesting with Meadows' depravity in Vietnam and how it's described in there, you know, taking the mm-hmm. years of um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the V.C., I'm really surprised with his skill set that the CIA didn't recruit him. I'm actually kind of surprised that. Right. Yeah, and it, I just thought it was interesting, too. It's like they were both in the same unit, and they both took very different paths. Well, you know, it, well, at this time when he's going over the um, over Meadows' um, career, that's when the doorbell rang, and uh, Eleanor was there. 
Yeah. And, you know, and so basically they, they came up with a truce. You know, they said basically, hello, you know, you know, you want to go through a truce. And and, and she was able to pull out a Bosch. A lot of the, a lot of his um, animus came from the way he was probably treated the, the, the prior day. You know, no one likes ID to be called on them. And as within a less than 24 hours, go from ID, p- p- open up a case jacket on you to everything's cool. That, that. Right, you're, and you're working with the people that called ID. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, and you work with the people who called. Yeah, so that was, you know, for her to come back there was 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 pretty good. And this is, again, why, you know, you... Just in three chapters, emotionally, I'm going through a roller coaster the way Michael's writing this book. Yeah. I am, because um, they get into this portion right here where um, she kind of asks Bosch, what is it about Meadows? I mean, of course, yes, it's a dead body, but there's more to it. And she's, you know, just, and she said, just be honest, tell me. And, you know, he goes back and he talks to her about what happened back in, you know, back in Vietnam and about the one time they were in a, uh, a tunnel and they, well, one, they were kids and they had this whole thing where that, uh, they had a line and no man, no one gets left behind. Dead and so alive. dead alive. So, you know, this one time Bosch went, uh, him and, him and Meadows went, um, into this one, uh, one, um, hole that was really, this one tunnel that was really ancient. And while they were there, they, um, <clears throat> but it's again, also not, very intricate and elaborate, very intricate. Right. And so he comes out, you know, and the whole idea is to go down in a certain amount of time, set your charges and get the fuck out of there. And so when they w- met back at the, uh, the rally point, the, the rent, the, 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 the uh, rendezvous point, Meadows wasn't there. So Bosch had to get out of there. And then, the uh, story set. yeah. And it went off and, Long story short, um, some other company had to go to a different tunnel, and they found metals there, like you were saying, with these these um, ears. And what was fucked up, all these ears. And they asked him, said, well, you know, why would you put ears, plural, on his as a necklace? And it couldn't find out that wasn't ears. He only did, it was a necklace full of singular ears. So that's well, how well, he, well, don't forget, they said he had 33 ears. And they were like, well, how come you're missing one of the ears from a guy. And right. It was like, no, these aren't pairs. They're, these right. are individual ears. And it's like, oh. Right. It went, it went from, it went from uh, almost 15 to now actually 30 some bodies, 30 some bodies. Right. And, and he, he wasn't exactly, you know, with this faculty. It's his mental faculties. You know, right. This dude's talking gibberish. He'd been in the tunnels for a couple of days just right. killing everything that moved. And that, that takes a toll on a human. It's like, it's not natural to kill another human. You know, and to do it, it and to do it the way he did in the most barbaric, savage way, right? Oof. And see and, why I'm shooting heroin. Well, and then what, what Harry said, we we made promise. Yeah, you know, and he felt like he had broke his promise, even though he he didn't, but he he felt like so. And and look, he did look at how their lives had diverged. The divergence ever since then, you know, Harry was able to come back to be some type of functional person in in, in society, and and he wasn't. And so again, that emotional roller coaster that that Michael, you know what? Again, um, one of the things that, I, I, especially he um, during his time, just I just had an epiphany, and you know, you're not talking about this offline. And I I don't have any problems bringing, um, you know, my my brother and I had wanted to talk about our father. Uh, he was in Vietnam, and you know, he's going to read the books, and we, you know, only re, uh, only requisite we have is that to come on to our podcast, you have to have to read the books. So what I what we plan on doing, especially some other um, Vietnam 
um, mentions come up in later books. I would love for the listeners to um, have an insight onto how it really is from a law enforcement officer who was in Vietnam, who read these books to see, again, the truism of Michael's writing, if that's such a word, truism. I agree. Um, One thing, too, that we just kind of not even glazed over, we have to address is that during his background on Meadows' record is you can see the progression and escalation of his criminal behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, one charge led to another charge. Long story short, he ended up in federal prison. And what people don't understand is federal time is a lot different than local jail or state time. It's more rigid, it's stricter, but it's also, it's the college or the breeding ground for the next yep. level for networking for criminals. So you yep. graduate from petty crimes to major stuff because it's almost like a vetting process for criminals. It's like, oh, you did federal time? Ah, right. I can trust you as a criminal. So you can right. see the development and escalation of Meadows as, as a criminal. Definitely. And so, um, it, it, again, this, that, that goes back to people asking, you know, uh, why we, we putting people in jail for such a long time. And the only thing that happens is they learn to, to, um, to uh, their skill set. They learn to uh, develop, uh, harness their skill set of being a criminal. Yeah. Yeah. And so as they finish up, as they finish, as we're finishing up this chapter. Well, don't forget um, Bosch officer drink. Right, right, right. Well, yeah, yeah. Beer. It's like, hey, you want a beer? Right. That's right, like, right. Oh, we're going to bury the hatchet. Cool. Right. Here's, here's a beer for you. You know, they exchange drinks, and I'm like, all right, cool. We the know part- what's next. Right. The partnership is developing. Now, screw the partnership. Let's get it on. That's what well, I was thinking the whole time. Well, like, she left, right. though. Remember, she left. Well, that was getting to that, Phil. You're, you're jumping ahead. Oh, sorry. Okay, so, go, go. go. I'm sorry, I, didn't steal, I didn't mean to steal your thunder. You stole it. You're a thunder stealer. So here it is. They're exchanging drinks. Bosch is going to ask her essentially, hey, you want to stay a little later? And she's like, nope, I'm going to leave. And they say goodnight. And she walks out. And that's the end of the chapter. And I was actually, god damn it, really surprised that those two didn't hook up right then and there. Well, that's because you wanted it. But see, you you jumped ahead. So one of the things that I picked up on was she recognized the portrait, you know, the... um, the Garden of Delights, you know, where oh, Harry get, yeah, the, you, all yeah, about that. right. And he, you know, she recognized, she said, well, did you, any relations? She's like, no, um, you know, my mother just had, a, you know, a thing for his stuff, you know, so I, I again, that was a well, whole, well, you know, you really, get, the, you get the whole thing about where his name came from. Right. Because she explained, or he explains like, hey, I'm Hieronymus, Rhymes of Anonymous. Here's the um, artist. And let me ask you, when you first heard about that painting, did you look at it? Did you look it up? Oh, oh, definitely did. As soon, soon as I did, I went right to, and, and matter of fact, um, for the listeners, um, just in case you didn't know, I'm pretty sure you did, but just in case, go to the website because um, any mentions like this in the book from, from the different uh, places he stops to the restaurants he go to or landmarks, I'm, um, there's a, go to the website and you will see um, for yourself. So we kind of did the background for you. So after this podcast, and from this point on, it will, um, if there's a mention in this particular chapter for a particular landmark or something notable or noteworthy, you can go into the website and see it. So I answered that was a long dissertation to yes. I know, right? <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck so you. no, 
bottom line, hey, listeners, do me a favor. Go to the website, look at the painting, and send us an email of what you think of this painting, because I, I, I don't want to say too much, but Hieronymus Bosch is a fucked up artist. So I'm just kind of curious about other people's interpretations of this artwork. Yeah. Well, you make sure, like say, he's a 15th, what was going on in the 15th century that they were, that he, uh, I, I don't know, Donald, was, Donald Trump does it, not have anything on the 15th Right, right, uh, right, right. You know, was it, was, was it uh, heroin back then? What the fuck was he smoking? Uh, I, I, wow, that's some mm, Pink Floyd Big, evil shit. Not yeah, that Pink Floyd's evil, I'm just saying like in terms of like just being out there. Right. Wow. So... So, Alan, uh, now that we just finished Phil. that up. <laughs> now that we just finished that up. <laughs> a quick side note, too. Hey, you know, you don't have to announce everything that you're going to do. Well, <laughs> I, in, again, I like the, I'm very detailed. You know that. I want the listeners to understand what's coming up next. No, I get that. Okay, well, you so know we're going to hey, do a back and forth. Since, since we are in uh, this whole, you know, um, this whole thing where we get involvement of uh, feedback, Hey, listeners, if I'm too detailed, let me know. And Yes, please email us and uh, let us know all your constructive criticism. Yeah, that's Phil, cons- constructive. Phil only. <laughs> constructive criticism, we love that. So I'm a delicate flower, so I can't handle that. You can't handle that. Uh, so um, let's go to the anyone counts and no one counts moment as we wrap this thing up. Uh, uh, let you go first. Do so you have an anyone counts and no one counts moment? It, it's it's not necessarily a moment, but it's a situation. Okay. Um, okay. It's it's Sharky as a person. Um, and I, I know I'm not supposed to use the word. Um, when you look at someone like Sharky, what drives a kid mm-hmm. to take nude pictures of himself? Right. To sell them for money. Right. And as a police officer, you you never want to throw in the towel on everybody. And Sharky is a special case, and I believe he'll be a career criminal, uh-huh. but I want to leave the door open for him. So on that one in a million shot that he could bounce back, I, I'm going to extend an olive branch, so to speak, and try to look out for him just from the human aspect. Right. What the fuck drives a kid, a teenage boy, to take naked pictures of himself to sell it for money? Like, how desperate do you have to be to earn money? to do that shit. I mean, really think about like if the, if the listeners chiming in, look at your kid tonight and ask yourself what would drive little Billy to do that. Right. So that, that was kind of a gut punch for me because it, there, there's a human element to this whole story, even though, you know, it's, it's a made up story. There's still a real human element. Well, it's a, you know, um, you had, uh, this is your second time with Sharky. I mean, you had last podcast, you had mentioned Sharky and you had brought up, the fact of he was just um, elevating what he learned from his mom. You know, he just uh, nuanced and made it new, but he's just a different spin off his mom. So that's the second time you have mentioned Sharky. So I can understand and I hear how Sharky has uh, affected you. So, okay. So, you know, it's kind of funny. Well, Sharky with both of us, that's two and oh, because my everyone counts or no one counts moment is Sharky too. And what I like about Sharky was the fact, again, uh, Harry said the same thing, you know, this is not his first time or last time to be in such an interview room, but the mere fact that he, that he was savvy enough to switch the chair up, 
the slider. <laughs> That's actually really cool. <laughs> I love that. He and then for um him and Eleanor was in the room. She was sliding, <laughs> and he, Bob said he caught a little a little smile from Sharky. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, you thought you were gonna get me, but I got you. Right, right, right. So I guess so. So this everyone counts, no one counts moment again. Uh, just be, I'll pick out Sharky for um, a different reason, but so Sharky in this particular uh, um, uh, uh, episode is uh, two and zero. So well, yeah, and you know, and, and and just to give a teaser for the next podcast coming up, yeah, that's not the last you see of Sharky, and and I'm really looking forward to discussing the. Uh, how he handles post-interview. Definitely. So, Alan, um, how can people um, get in contact with us? Uh, you can follow us on our Facebook page at the Thin Blue Line Podcast or on our Twitter account. And you can also download us and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast from. So, everyone, please join us for our next podcast, which we will be diving deep again into the Black Echo Part four, Wednesday, May twenty third. Brother, you want to just uh, let us go? You know, you want to? You normally, what is it? Um, uh, so, a good evening, goodbye, and we're ten. How you? You, you're the one. You get, okay, so let, let me let me help you out. Thank because you. Help us, again, help out. Thank you're, you're that silver ass because you sit on your butt all day behind ah. a desk, and you're not used to the radio talk. So I want to one. I want to thank all the listeners for subscribing and chiming in. We're uh, looking forward to getting some of the feedback from you guys, um, and eventually I'll put Phil's phone number on the web so we can all call <laughs> him. Um, but other than that, uh, we're ten seven for the remainder. Have a good night. All right. Bye.